Welcome to our True Crime, True Family podcast. Quarantine equals no life, so we've decided to start a true crime podcast. I'm Emily, and along with my mom, Kate, and our cousin Paige, we will be discussing popular true crime documentaries and cases. Due to sensitive subject material and explicit language, viewer discretion is advised. Oh, so Em was going to do the intro. And Em also had something to say because she was like, oh, I think I watched that documentary. Oh, you did? Yeah, I didn't, really, I, I didn't like it. Oh, because of Gil. <laughs> Dude, it was so weird. Oh, like, man, just the me way too with Gil. I just have to defend him at this point. Well, yeah, and I already told Emily before we called. I was like, um, Paige is going to say she likes him just because I don't. <laughs> well, I feel like we've got to both have, like, different opinions. It's a good hot, bad hot yes. type of thing. I mean, on some things, but this, like, I'm a little bit judging you. <laughs> And, like, the only way I can still not judge you is to be like, well, she's only doing it because of me. <laughs> so, in my heart, I believe you dislike it. <laughs> I honestly didn't have, like, I honestly didn't have an opinion about him either way. He was just talking. Yeah, but once I pointed things out, I feel like you agree with me. You just can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, you guys are funny. Okay, so here, that's the intro. What episode? I read it all out in very detail. Okay. Hey, welcome back this week. We're, oh, wait, I don't remember what I say. <laughs> welcome back this week. We're covering okay. whatever. Hey, welcome back this week. We're covering Night Stalker, The Hunt for a Serial Killer, Episode 4, Manhunt. Here with... um. Just say here with my mom, Kate. I'll cut it. Just, just get it. Here's my mom, Kate, it. and my cousin, Paige. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Sam. It's the final epi- episode of the Night Soccer on Netflix. I bet you are just so happy and... about that. Oh, I'm thrilled. This is the last time I have to talk about fucking Gail. <laughs> so, I had written... In case you missed anything, the Night Stalker terrorized Los Angeles, attacking, assaulting, raping, and murdering residents at random. We don't know all that much about that part of it, though. The previous episodes documented how inept law enforcement was, and in the last episode, we learned that the suspect's name is Richard Ramirez. Took dozens of attacks and many months to have a name. All we really know after three goddamn episodes of this bullshit is that Ramirez is bold unpredictable and has bad teeth (laughs) it's unclear to me why this story is four episodes long but here we are (laughs) after this I don't ever want to hear the name Gil Carrillo ever again in life (laughs) 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 summed it up so this guy Tony says that he was always the kid that never quite fit in with anybody. Richard was a thief since he was a kid. Five finger Richie. These there are all these horrible stories about the way that he was treated by members of his family. Like it's awful. His father was trying to reprimand him and he would tie him to a cross in the cemetery overnight. Like that's fucking traumatic. Oh my god. And like 
so really we get this like very interesting piece of information and I know everything about Gil but nothing about this like this is just awful so Laurel Erickson says that he had a lot of bad influences which seems like an understatement a man says that the cousin that killed the wife in front of him like that's scary he was telling him when he was a boy horror stories about things they had done while in the army in vietnam not to mention the cocaine and heroin and all the habits that he had practically all of the things that could poison a children were part of his life like a kid that did cocaine and heroin like i don't think i knew as a kid what even cocaine and heroin was he was doing those drugs as a kid yeah no wonder he's so fucked up that just fucks your brain yeah yeah so in the 1980s the reference desks at central library were very busy and you were dealing with one patron after another rotary phones ringing all the time like rotary phones (laughs) different faces are popping up lots of interesting people and lots of people you never want to see again says glenn creason librarian la public library I was like, what in the world? Why are we talking to a librarian? (laughs) On one of those days, I looked up and there was this gaunt, disheveled looking man. Dirty black t-shirt said Jack Daniels on it. Dirty hair. Absolutely disgusting, rotted teeth. And I wrote, fuck man, the teeth stuff is the worst. (laughs) He had a very strong body odor, almost like a goat. And I was like, oh god. I'm like, oh, not a goat. (laughs) not a goat and he had those dead eyes it was kind of like an animal that meant you harm and I said I would for sure have been killed I can't even imagine the face that I would have made (laughs) smelling and seeing that I'm like I probably would have gagged (laughs) he wanted to know where the books on horoscope and torture were and it's like are, do they have torture books at the public library he said and luckily for me they're both in another department I said now it seems weird to me to track down a librarian interview him and shit for like this two seconds that they put him in <laughs> so on August 30th 1985 day 166 goddamn Gil says we go back to the office the captain comes up and says we got a name so then they switch to Frank and he's like what do you mean we got a name he says San Francisco came up with the name Richard Ramirez if we had a name we could match that to that single print off the rearview mirror of that car used down in Orange County and I was like don't they think he already would have been in the system like well wasn't he why would he well, I don't. Wasn't he? Uh, all right, I guess not. I thought he was. He said that they came. Well, that's what I thought, but they were acting like he wasn't in the system. Oh. Gil says he came up. They came up with eight Richard Ramirez's. Frank says those prints were manually compared against various Richard Ramirez prints, and Gil says one of which matched the fingerprint. So I guess it did match. I don't know what they said. I wrote something down. I was like, I guess it was the way I wrote it down. I thought what he was saying was like, oh, we only have a name. 
like, wouldn't you be in the system? Check the names. Yeah, because I thought he had, like, gotten in trouble for other, like, thefts and stuff like that prior. Yeah, no, he did. It was just something the way Gil, it was whatever Gil said. Because, see, I didn't, like, write this after I watched the whole scene. I was, like, I'd watch and then pause and then write and then watch and then pause and then write. So, like, I didn't really know what was coming up. (laughs) So, I'm going to cut some of that. (laughs) So, um, anyways, so they came up with eight Richard Ramirez's. And so, that print was manually compared against various Richard Ramirez prints. One of which, one of which matched their fingerprint. And I wrote, if they start bragging, so help me God. Frank says he had a lightweight criminal record, some petty thievery, grand theft auto, but nothing of any violence whatsoever. Gil says they also found a booking photo of him. On Friday, August 30th, we took that booking photo and took it over to the informant. The informant looked and said, that's him. Frank says that's when they identified the Richard Ramirez, who was, in fact, the Night Stalker. And Gil felt like things were falling into place. And I felt like this is overshadowing or foreshadowing where Gil's going to fuck it all up. So Friday night, August 30th, Sheriff Block, Brad Gates from Orange County and Daryl Gates from LAPD are meeting in the sheriff's office. And they're going to conference call the chief of police from San Francisco to decide whether they release Richard's name and identification today or wait until we get him into custody. And I said, for real, you all complain because the mayor who was asked to provide reward money spilled the beans that crimes were related and about his shoes. But you all need a fucking meeting about releasing his name the second you figured it out. Like you didn't want to just run by his last known address first maybe knock on his door you fucking idiots like the amount of stupid in this logic is astonishing like maybe just swing by his house one time no let's have a meeting oh okay fucking idiots (laughs) like you cannot tell me you think these people are intelligent oh my god the way you just went on a rant for like (laughs) oh my god oh that was funny in san francisco falzone says by the time we had a warrant for richard ramirez the night stalker for the murder of peter pan for the attempted murder of his wife and i was like oh i guess her name wasn't important real nice He said, my chief made it perfectly clear that we were proceeding with alerting everyone in the community who Richard Ramirez was. And I wrote, um, I'm pissed. Why were you pissed? They owe that, um, they owe that mayor a big apology. Fucking Falzone was like, Mayor Feinstein made a big mistake in a press conference, but your chief, the same chief. Who didn't bother telling her not to release any of the information is like, ah, fuck it. Release the name without even trying to arrest him first is infuriating. He's the one that gave her the information and didn't tell her to keep her mouth shut. And now you're just going to be like, oh, cool. He said, release the name. Let's release the name. Like, fucking idiots. Like, fuck right off. I hate these cops. 
I'm like, get on air and say, oh, I'm sorry. Like, maybe her alerting this is why we figured out his name. Maybe I shouldn't just let her take the fall. Because she did give us reward money, you fucking assholes. Oh, my God. Gil said he begged, please give us 24 hours. We'll have him. And I wrote Gil's stop line. Falzone, like that. <laughs> well, look, I don't think Gil could find his dick in 24 hours, okay? I'm not really, like, that confident oh in God. any of his abilities. <laughs> so, Falzone, like the absolute moron he is, was incredulous. He's like, sit on this. Sit on a murder warrant? We've identified this vicious killer. I said, can you imagine what the media would do to us if they found out? And they will find out. And I said, yeah, after you all call a press conference and announce it to them, you jackass. And he's like that we were in possession of a murder warrant and we sat on it and somebody else is killed this weekend. I said, we'd have blood on our hands. And, sir, like, you all have a lot of blood on your hands because you probably should have solved it, like, eight people ago. Like, this guy is fucking dumb. Wouldn't, like, wouldn't you be attempting to serve the fucking warrant before you announced his identity? Like, how about look at it that way? Like, did you really think that, oh, step one is let's let the media know what we're doing. Like, get the fuck out. Like, this killer who clearly travels back and forth. Like, wouldn't all sets of officers be involved in the lookout? Like, just don't announce the name immediately. What the fuck is the point? Although, you know what? It all works out because the people are like, look, we know what kind of cops we're dealing with. We'll just handle this ourselves. I said, I just fucking can't. I'm not a fan of this series. It is aggravating. Gil says, I could understand why they thought it was wrong, but we thought if he finds out he's wanted, the chase is on and it'll be more difficult to find him. And I said, I'm fucking livid. Now I'm agreeing with goddamn Gil. Falzone says, 10 o'clock news, 11 o'clock news, Los Angeles, San Francisco, we're going on, we're going with the media blitz. And I said, of course you fucking are, you dumb bitch. I hate this series. I said, this is what they're taking four fucking episodes for? This very uninteresting bullshit about how inept law enforcement is. I said my hopes got up when they opened thinking we are finally going to hear about the goddamn Night Stalker. You know who the movie was named after? Got two minutes. And those two minutes were far more interesting than anything else in this goddamn boring ass series. God. I said and I know people criticize how crimes are covered and the focus is on the killer and it shouldn't be. But let's not dig too deep into the police side of it because I'm not comfortable knowing how stupid law enforcement is. Like, I don't sleep well at night anymore knowing that these are the people supposed to protect me. Oh, my God. None of this seems very safe. So we need, I said, plus, we need to see how insane people can be so we can keep our guard up since we can't worry and count on the police. So bring on the information about the killer. Oh, my God. Frank says they were pissed. I bet. I said they probably shouldn't have been surprised, though. So Sherman Block, Los Angeles County Sheriff, says, We asked for the media to meet with us this evening. We are satisfied that we now have the identity of the Night Stalker. This photograph was taken about eight months ago right here in Los Angeles. Paul Skolnick of KNBC News says, There's the face. Still didn't know who Richard Ramirez was. 
but we had a picture and a name. And I said, how do you not even try to find him without immediately alerting the media? Like, it's absolutely insane. Drive by his house. They didn't try at all so to find 31st. him. They just put his name out there? No. Yes. Well, that's stupid. Exactly. So, August 31st, 1985, day 167. Glenn says, Saturday mornings, we would go over to Yorkshire Grill and the different library departments. We'd sit there and have breakfast. So I grabbed a Herald paper and I looked at the at the cover. And here's a picture of that man who came up to the desk at the library. And it says, Night Stalker. And the temperature of my blood changed. Colleen Nelson, Joyce Nelson's granddaughter, says when she saw the picture, she started crying because that was the last face her grandma ever saw. Yeah. Like, oh, Hopefully she didn't look at his teeth. Frank says, we were looking for him to leave Los Angeles once this information came out. Frank says, our information at that point was that Richard Ramirez used the Greyhound bus depot. He used it to travel in and out. He had a locker there. We requested that LAPD's SIS team handle the surveillance. Um. He said, to be quite frank with you, they had a history. They generally followed felons that committed violent crimes. And when confronted, a lot of times there was an officer involved shooting and the felon was killed. And they flashed a picture of a suspect bent over the hood of a car with a gun to his head. If he was going to go down the hard way, then he was going to go down. And I said, "Um, that seems like info Frank probably should have kept to himself. Like. Mm. he says that's why we picked that team because Tim, well I guess it's probably like nowadays it's just like saying something like that I imagine people are going to be like so the police just put these things on so they can have an excuse to kill people so Gil was hoping if he pulled a gun that he'd be dead the problem's over with but the other side of him wanted to know the man wanted to spend time and interview him and god damn it Gil Gil says, I spent a lot of time on this case and I wanted the opportunity to interview him, to talk to him, to meet my foe. And I said, well, with all due respect, Gil, your true foe is common sense. I'm so glad this was the last episode of this shit show. Like, no one gives a fuck about what you want, like, because you spent a lot of time on this case. Like, yeah, maybe if you learned to solve a case and you wouldn't have spent so much time on it. He's the worst. Like, I still learned very little about the Night Stalker. Like, and how about just do your goddamn job? Like, you get paid for it. Who gives a shit what you want to know? Collect the evidence and do your goddamn job, Gil. So, on August 31st, 1985, at 8.15 a.m., Frank tells us they set up surveillance in the bus terminal. Ramirez was out of town. He was in Arizona. I said, smooth move on announcing his identity, you dipshits. Like, ex- like wh- you announce it the next day, you know where he is. I don't get it. So Gil says, on Friday evening, he left Arizona to come back to L.A. We're looking for Richard to come in from the outside. Richard came inside through the back door where passengers enter. And I said, <laughs> I fucking hate this series. He recognized the cops right away because cops wear ugly clothing, wore ugly clothing, dirty clothing, but their teeth are clean. They don't smell bad and their hair is clean. 
I said, knowing them, they probably also wore LAPD hats or something. <laughs> Frank says, Richard spotted them, but he didn't know they were looking for him. So he went out the exit onto the street, walks down the block, and goes into a liquor store. And on the front page of every newspaper is his name and picture. And I wrote, Why did they even let him get that so far? Getting caught. Who does? I have no idea. I said, so him getting caught will be some fluke or a civilian will come through and these dumb fucks will pat themselves on the back thinking it was a job well done when it's really just dumb luck. Now, remember, when I wrote this, I was pausing and stopping. So I don't know what's coming up, but like, we'll find out. So the owner clerk at the liquor store is being interviewed on the news and he says that Richard looked at it and he looked really scared. Frank says he sees this and he panics. Gil says he walks out of there real quick and got on a bus and the bus went down Olympic. All he had to do was make it eight miles to East Los Angeles. He had a brother living there. He saw some passenger on the bus had a morning paper looking at it then looked over at him and his eyes got big put the newspaper down and pulled the cord. There happened to be a phone booth right there and Richard could see him dialing right away. Ramirez knew he had been made. So Frank says people are starting to turn around and look and point and talk. It's him. It's him. So he jumps off the bus and Gil says what he didn't know was the gentleman that phoned in had flagged down a truck from the gas company. But that guy told the truck driver that the killers on that bus follow that bus. The chase was on. I said, I'd like to just remind everyone, I already knew Ramirez wouldn't be caught by any of the (laughs) detectives. Ramirez ran into the 4015 or 405 freeway. He ran across all lanes of the freeway. He tried to carjack a guy. The guy said, I got him by the neck. We struggled back and forth for the car. And then he ran across the street. Ramirez tried to carjack a lady. And that's when Angelina... And Man- Manuel de la Torre got involved. Manuel went up front. He got a metal stick from the gate. He hit him in the head. And he said he started running away. I chased him, gave him another hit. These people are like, <laughs> fuck you. The neighbors chased him down the street. We hear Ramirez say the guy with the bar was telling his wife to go get a gun so he could shoot me. He said, I didn't give a fuck at that point because I was so fucking tired. I looked down the street and I saw a sheriff's patrol car coming down the street. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Andy Ramirez, a deputy L.A. County sheriff, says, I got a call 22145, a possible fight, possible man with a gun. I could see maybe three or four people on one side of the street. The closer I got, I could see they were moving around, they were yelling, and they were screaming, and I could see one person sitting on the sidewalk. And I said, how far away was he? Like, three or four people? Like, they showed, like, a picture. It's like, 20-plus people. (laughs) And I said, how close do you need to be to see that people are moving? So one guy was holding him at bay with his metal bar. I could tell that he had been hit. I said, so law enforcement didn't even apprehend him. Wow. (laughs) So back then, Angie Ramirez was saying he just was exhausted. He was tired of running, almost like Richard Ramirez surrendered. I said, I'm not tired of running from law enforcement, though. They had 167 days and didn't do dick about anything, but released it in the newspaper and on the news. These people didn't (laughs) need 12 hours. 
So Andy Ramirez walked up and cuffed him after the civilians went ahead and apprehended a serial killer they'd been chasing for Were months. Were the cops not following and him I said, and after I bet... he got off the bus? No. Oh, no. he didn't know where he was. Because he jumped out the bed. He, like, made the, like, he saw that there were, like, undercover detectives. And, and they he went out a different him? way. <sighs> yeah. And you know what? I bet they had a luncheon banquet celebrating that moron who walked up and put cuffs on Richard Ramirez and Gil and Frank who detected <laughs> not very much and didn't even invite one of the civilians who went ahead and took care <laughs> of the work themselves. So Andy Ramirez cuffed him and got him in the car and I guess in the crowd someone had the newspaper holding up and saying, the killer, the killer and the people are like, oh shit, let's get his ass. <laughs> that I mean, it probably would be very scary to be a part of, but it's yeah. kind of hysterical. So Andy Ramirez is shitting bricks. Like, I have to get this under control and get the fuck off my screen immediately. First of all, you have nothing under control. Like, and I don't know on what world did he have the audacity and ego to think that he could control a goddamn thing. Like, what are you going to do? Fuck right off. Like, they just captured a serial killer. Like, just because they saw his picture and they're like, oh. Hey, you know what? We don't need detectives. Richard Ramirez says, I was just really pissed off at the way things had turned out. And I said, and I get it, man. I feel the exact same way about this docuseries. (laughs) (laughs) So Ramirez says that I was under arrest now and I turned at all these people that were around me and I spit at them. I poked my tongue out at them. I stuck it in and out. And I said, uh, yeah, Richard, we've all been five. We know what you meant. He said he stuck his tongue out like a serpent. If I would have had a pistol, I would have made them scatter. They wouldn't be as brave as they thought they were. Like, okay, Richard, like you're real brave when you didn't have a gun. If any of them pulled a gun, you would have been dead. So shut up. Like, why are you going to act cocky? When, like, you got fucked the fuck up, they show Ramirez in the cop car, and he's all like, yeah, it's me, Richard Ramirez. And his head is, like, bandaged. It looks like a cartoon the way they (laughs) wrapped his head. Like, this man was fucked up. He has audacity. He's like, I was mad about it. Like, motherfucker, you didn't do shit. Goddamn Gil says, I notified... I got notified that they had him in custody. He said, I'm so excited. I can't wait to get there. I said, calm down, Gil. Gil probably walked down in like a goddamn doof and smiling all big like he did anything other than answer the phone. Like, he didn't catch him. He's only caught because a neighborhood of people got tired of y'all playing with your dicks and not solving the case. And while you're going home at night praying he kills again. And make some mistakes so you have more chances to not solve the crime. He said, so the entire Hollenbach police station was surrounded by civilians. So, you know, Gil's girlfriend, Linda, who is his biggest fan, was working at the crime lab. They received a call needing someone to go over to LAPD to fingerprint and positively identify a suspect that they believe to be the killer. And... I remember when he walked through the door, he was tall and slender. He had these dark eyes and he just slowly looked around the room to take it in. And he looked right in your eyes. 
she said, you know, he did look at you. And that's when I thought, oh, wow, those eyes are terrible. And I said, well, just wait until you yeah. get to look at his teeth, Linda. Mm. <laughs> Linda. Linda says there's evil in that man. And I said, I don't think I needed to see his eyes to know he's evil. So Linda's partner, Hannah Woods, jumped up and said, I will print him because she knew Linda didn't want to do it. So Frank says Ramirez acted the way victims described him in the interview room. Frank said, I said, my name is Sergeant Frank Salerno. And I started to introduce Gil, who I imagine was about to bust out of his skin like a goddamn fan. And he said, I know who you are. My stomach would have dropped. I would have shit my pants, I think. That took me back because I'd never had a suspect say that on an interview involving a murder. I I would have cried, I think. I would never be cut out to be a detective. If he said... I would ask, like... If he said, I know who you are? Like, if they knew who I was? Well, because remember, like, didn't he say something about, like, his kids? Like, he was worried that they were going to go after his yeah. kids or something in, like, one of the earlier episodes. Like, that would make me scared if I had that fear that he was, like, targeting law oh. enforcement at all. Because, like, that, no, I, I don't know. It. But I also would not be a good detective because I'd be, like, asking the wrong questions. I'd be like, wait, what? Like, tell me what they did. Like, if it, like, could you imagine if I got, like, a good, like, like, a uh, wife got fed up and, like, killed the husband and the mit- mistress? I'd be like, okay, tell me how you found out. Um, so, Gil says... He knew all about Frank Salerno to the point where he's calling him Mr. Salerno. And I said, Gil, what are you talking about? Like, that doesn't make any sense. If he introduced himself as Frank Salerno and then he said, okay, Mr. Salerno, that like doesn't, that doesn't prove that he knows him that well. So he said, um, he said he called him that because he knew that Mr. Salerno worked on the Hillside Strangler. And I said, Jesus, take the wheel said Gil he walked in and introduced himself that may explain why he called him Mr. Salerno and it's hillside fucking stranglers you dumb piece of shit there were two of them Gil is seriously worthless and if you don't agree with me I'm (laughs) judging you hard Gil who I think sounds jealous continues he meaning Richard was awestruck that was a hero to him and I was just another Mexican in the crowd and I started laughing so hard like Gil is <laughs> such a bitch he's like I'm just another Mexican no one said Mr. Carrillo <laughs> you fucking idiot like poor you Gil Richard told them that he read about various cases well and you know what Gil that might make sense if you ever solved a goddamn fucking thing maybe he'd know your name too he read about the hillside strangler read about bundy etc so lerno advised him of his constitutional rights he invoked which normally once he invokes okay that's it they said you don't want to talk we're out of here and ramirez was like wait i have questions gill is like so we sat down and i started talking to richard I said, that sounds like a bad idea. Don't you, like, can't you get in trouble for not leaving once they invoke? Are you asking Um, me? So, well, yeah, but I know the answer because you can get in trouble if you keep talking to them after they invoke. 
So Gil says, I was from the streets. I'm Hispanic. And they show a picture of Gil from when he was younger. And he just looks generic to me. Um, Gil's like, I knew he was from the streets. So we talked a little slang talk. And I wrote, I wrote this. Paige, I swear to God, Gil is the worst. I'm like, please stop saying that you like him. <sighs> like, Gil is the worst. Like, of course you would go get your feelings hurt because he knew who Frank was, not you. <laughs> so, Gil, like, could you imagine? Like, I would not have been able to interview Gil. I would have started laughing too many times. <laughs> so, Gil says... Like, I can't remember how he said, I think it's like O'Reilly or something, what's going on, Rich. And he's like, O'Reilly is a greeting instead of saying hello, what's up? And I said, Who needs Rosetta Stone when you have Gil? <laughs> and Gil said, Nobody else would be saying that other than somebody from the streets that Hispanic, that's also Hispanic. And I said, I'm very close to just turning off the TV. <laughs> There was one point in time I got frightened. I'm talking to him and getting to a part of the interview and I'm getting to a very sensitive area. While I'm talking to him about his family, he's got his head down on the table and his hands are right there on the table. He's listening to me, but but he's and then he like trails off and then he says and then all of a sudden he starts to breathe heavy almost to the point of hyperventilation. As he's doing this, his hands start coming off the table a little bit. And in my mind, for the millisecond, and Gil says millisecond, which is wrong. And I just needed to point that out. He says, I'm sitting there saying, if this guy starts to float around this room, I'm out of here. And I said, I'm about to cry because there's still 29 minutes and four seconds left. And I feel like my brain may explode out of annoyance. Like you really you thought he was going to fucking float because he lifted his arms a tiny bit off the table, you fucking idiot. Like Like float float? Like a Like he thought he was gonna float around the room because he lifted his arms off the table a little bit. That's weird. He's an idiot. Gil says, because I've fought people before, I've been stabbed, I've been shot at, but I never fought nobody that's floating around a room. I said, it's like if Rose Nyland was a man and a mediocre detective. (laughs) So Gil is still going. He's like, this guy's going to levitate right here and scare the bejesus out of me. He says it bejesus, which is also wrong. It's bejesus. (laughs) Also, we hear Gil's stupid story, and he never once has told us really what Richard said, other than he knew who Frank Salerno was. We are four episodes in, and I know the same amount of information as I did before I watched this. It's insane. Gil says, like, at least name it like the Night Stalker featuring Too Cool Carrillo, Okay. Gil says that they've gotten word somebody's going to kill him when he comes out. And I said, well, after watching all of this, I feel like I would have gone down there to verify they didn't just let him go accidentally or some shit. Like, and also, these people are the ones that caught that him. I'm sure people just followed to see what's going on. I'd be nosy like that. If I just caught a murderer, I'd be like, oh, yeah, you <laughs> will be telling me what's going on. 
Gil said, so Lorna was riding in the back seat with Richard, and I was in the front seat. We only had... So was someone driving that? Probably. Because, yeah, like, I think it's weird that I would Mm-mm. not want to be in the back seat with him. So we only had it to go a few miles till we got to Men's Central Jail. We drove down the street, we turned right, and there was a truck, and there was some lady standing on top of there. As we came by, she opened up her blouse, and she's swinging her breasts back and forth. She wasn't doing it for me. Like, Gil's so petty. <laughs> like, Gil's probably so bent out of shape about that. He said, I said, there you go, Rich. She's doing it for you. Why is he calling them rich like they're friends? He said, we had helicopters overhead. We had police vehicles and motorcycles in front. Police vehicles and motorcycles behind us all along the streets like a motorcade. And I was like, you motherfucking idiot. That is a motorcade. People were celebrating and chanting. Lieutenant Richard Wells of L.A. County Sheriff's Office addresses the public. He said, we're happy to announce that the individual we have in custody is Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. Which, I'm surprised they can say that, like... I would think alleged, they would say, like, yeah. alleged Night Stalker. And I said, I noticed he didn't thank the citizens that caught him for the <laughs> cops. But people were relieved and felt relieved. The mayor of Los Angeles and the news people all gave the credits to the citizens and praised them. Frank says, once we got to the jail, I told him, we're going to put you in a special cell. We're going to put you in the same cell as Kenneth Bianchi. Bianchi, one of the hillside stranglers. You could see he was taken over that. And why would they just put him in solitary? Like, I don't understand. So Gil says he was jazzed and excited. Like, Gil, I hate everything that comes out of his mouth. Frank says it was a card. We knew he was interested in serial killings. So we're going to play it and we're going to put him in the same cell, give him some status, let him think he's important. And I said, hopefully they put a microphone in there too. Um, and like who's to say at some point he won't tell the jailer hey tell those homicide cops to come back I want to talk to them that seems unlikely although Gil did know the street password of (laughs) O'Reilly and that's where we left him in Kenneth Bianchi's old cell at Central Jail oh he's like I I thought oh it was he was just going in the same cell that Kenneth Bianchi had been in I thought he was going to be in the cell with him So Gil says, about 8 o'clock that night, I get out. That particular day, a cousin of mine was getting married. I go to the Hilton. I'm walking in from the outside of the lobby, and I see one of my younger sisters. And she's not really that affectionate with me. And it's like, well, um, like, are you no. really affectionate with Nolan? Like, I don't think that's no. norm- abnormal. And besides, like. Even if that was normal, like, I wonder why you're insufferable. She runs up. She interlocks her arm with mine. And she said, come on, I want to walk with you. And I said, why do you want to walk in with me? I fully believe that was the first time that anybody had ever said that to him before. She said, you're the talk of the town. And I could hear people saying, that's him. There he is. Yeah, that's him. Like, sir, you went to a family wedding. Like, you didn't walk into a crowded Walmart and have that happen. They're looking and all I care about is looking for my family and I see my mom and my sisters and everybody's hugging and they all start crying 
And I was like, well, I would cry if I saw you too, Gil. Like, Christ. He says, we're embracing. And I say, it's okay. It's over with. He's in custody. Where's my wife? I want my wife. And it's like, ew. Like, Gil, just be happy that somebody is happy to see you. And like, he is infuriating. Like, he's so bent out of shape when people aren't doing stuff for him. He walks into a family. And, it, like, you know people were not like, that's him, that's him. It's, like, probably, like, oh, Gil just walked in. Like, you would say, like, if you and I were at a wedding, and I was, mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, Vince just walked in. And it'd be, like, oh, cool. And, like, Gil's, like, everybody's cheering and chanting for me. I hate him. Like, Pearl, she looks depressed, by the way. Um, she says she was so happy to see him. I bet. Like, that seems like a lie. So they hug and Gil's like, it's over. You can come home now. I'll come home. The kids can come home. And I said, what I wouldn't give if Pearl had said, yeah, about that. But she didn't. And I'm still super disappointed. Frank says, subsequent to the arrest of Richard Ramirez, we set up a lineup. So on the night of the lineup, they brought out a six-year-old surviving victim. And she was just unbelievable. Now, this part, I did actually get, like, very, like, torn up. Like, she's so Mm -hmm. little. So she sat in the audience of potential witnesses. In the lineup, they were asked to say, shut up, bitch. Where's the money? Where's the jewelry? So Anastasia, and I said the survivor. And why couldn't we have gotten her life story and not Gil's? She says... I think once I knew that he couldn't see me, I didn't have any fear about it. And I said, God, she was only six years old. That hurts my no. heart. Like, could you imagine? I think about if my kids were sick and ha- six and had to do that. Yeah. And it breaks my heart. So Gil asked, it would break my heart if my kids yeah. had to do it at their ages now. So Gil asks if anybody had any questions and she raised her hand and she said, do I write the word two or the number two? <laughs> and I was like, I would have started screaming and like sobbing. Like what a precious little girl. And like, that is the only redeeming moment in any of this docu-series for me. So Ramirez was going to be arraigned and prosecutors had planned to ask for the death penalty. Alan Yokelson, like what a terrible name, was second chair for the prosecutor. Um, he's a deputy district attorney. So Phil Halpin, deputy district attorney, was assigned first chair. He remembers the drama in court. Not since the days of Charlie Manson did you have this circus thing going on in court. First of all, you had Ramirez, who was playing up to the crowd. And then Daniel and Arturo Hernandez came in to handle the case. They show them in court and Ramirez is behind them. And he's, like, swaying and pacing. Like, he's getting ready for a boxing match. It was, like, a little bit bizarre. And that's when the circus really started. And I'm very confused why this was all shoved together in the last episode. I would have much rather heard about the hearing than I wanted to know anything about Gil. So, Arturo Hernandez says, we'd only been in practice for two years. Like, he said we had six murder cases under our belt. No death penalty cases. We get a call from his parents' lawyer in El, lawyers in El Paso. They happen to be people that I knew because I grew up in El Paso, and I went to the University of Texas at El Paso, and most of my friends became lawyers. Like, that's like a very, like, detailed description of why they called him. 
Gil said these guys never had a case of this magnitude. There's a difference in defending someone for petty theft or burglary than there is for multiple murders in a death penalty case. Frank jumps in, let alone one that involved 13 or 14 victims. Gil and Frank have a lot of nerve for two people that didn't solve a case but got a lot of credit for it. Like, well, and, like, what else are they supposed to do? Like, if he can't afford other attorneys or other attorneys won't take the case, like, public defenders aren't that much better. Like, well, I don't understand why they care like that. Yeah. Maybe because it was so serious. I guess. Um. And I was, like, real mad about it because I wrote... <laughs> I wrote, Gil and Frank have a lot of nerve for two people that didn't solve a case but got credit for it. It was San Francisco PD that got his name, and the citizens of L.A. were the ones that apprehended him. With nothing, I might add. One metal bar. Y'all had surveillance and multiple resources, guns, and y'all missed him walking through the bus terminal where he saw and recognized undercover cops. These people had a picture and managed to do it in, like, maybe an hour. You had 167 days. I mean, that's just insane to me. So the district attorneys were concerned about a mistrial. They weren't sure if the defense attorneys would make it through the case. And I'm not sure if it was Daniel or Arturo, but one of them in court says, if Mr. Halpin is going to continue with his childish acting to the court in front of the cameras, I would love, I would have to take him outside and teach him a lesson. Ramirez started laughing out loud at that. Like, can you imagine being on trial for murder and your, like, attorney gets, like, frustrated and you start laughing? Well, Ramirez is pretty sadistic. Yeah, but I still thought it was hilarious. (laughs) So Arturo says, celebrities thought we were celebrities. And I said, "Um, I doubt that. (laughs) He says... You're in the big leagues. You've got to perform. You got to make sure you don't totally blow it. And I said, okay, if you say so. <laughs> so on October 24th, 1985, Richard Ramirez stuns a packed courtroom. The main, the man accused of 14 murders that terrorized California holds up his palm for the world to see. There's a five pointed star enclosed in a circle, a pentagram to some, it is the mark of the devil. Then after pleading not guilty to all the charges, court was recessed. But Ramirez had the last word. He yelled, hail Satan. Like, people gasped. I rolled my eyes. Like, that's (laughs) so annoying. Like, who even cares? Tony, the producer, says, I'm sure that generations from now, the image of his palm with the pentagram and the sound of his voice saying, hail Satan, they'll be there. It was pretty clear even then that we were in for a roller coaster ride as this wound its way through the courts. Well, yeah, I mean, like, California seems insane. So Ramirez had a lot of groupies, a lot of people that thought he was just great. I've never understood that killer groupie thing. No. Like, I would be terrified. But I would watch a documentary dive, diving into the psychology of that. Yeah. So Zoe Turr says, attention is attention. There were women that wanted to fuck Richard Ramirez simply because he was famous. Which, I mean, are you fucking and, like, 
on death row? I, I, I don't think so. But I mean, that's well, that's like, didn't Ted Bundy like come in a condom and then give it to that one woman to get her pregnant? Oh, what? Yeah. You know, he has like a kid. Ew. Yeah, it's gross. I mean, I think it would be interesting to talk to a serial killer, but I don't know that I would actually want to do it. Like, I would want to be able to ask the questions, but him not know who I was. <laughs> like, what if they could find you? Like, that's scary. But, like, yeah. I wouldn't want to, like, be friends with one. Well, no. So a news report says, while many spectators who attended this hearing believed all along that Richard Ramirez is guilty, there were groupies, young women dressed in black who wrote letters to the defendant, wrote poems about him, and blamed society for the trouble Ramirez now faces. And I wrote, some bitches are just weird, man. (laughs) Tony says that in all his years, no defendant had as much sex appeal as Ramirez. And I said, well, maybe if he kept his mouth closed. But one peek at those teeth and I'd gag. (laughs) (laughs) Reporter Laurel Erickson says, maybe it's the bad boy thing. Like, okay, the bad boy thing. And like my idea of like a hot bad boy, it's like you sped (laughs) in your car. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Oh, my God. Tony apparently has a crush because he's still going on and on about him. He's like, he had this kind of animalistic magnetism charisma that women found attractive. He's waving at them like, what an idiot. One of the victims says, what a bunch of dumb bitches. (laughs) She's like, they were the dumbest bitches I'd ever seen. (laughs) Zoe says, "He'd he'd look at you like you were dinner. Richard Ramirez was also accused of some child molestation cases. Gil's back, and he says they went to the home of Anastasia to talk to her about testifying. And Mommy's holding her hand. Then she whispered something in Mommy's ear, and Mommy looked like, why is he calling her Mommy so much? And said, she remembers you the best because you reminded her of a teddy bear. (laughs) And, like, Gil takes it as some compliment. I'd be like, are you calling me fat? Oh, my God. And she said, and I'll go testify in court if it means keeping him locked up so he can't hurt any other girls like he hurt me. So Gil sobbed. Gil says he has a soft spot for kids. And I was like, well, doesn't everybody? Mm -hmm. Like, you're not special, Gil. (laughs) So Halpin said, what do you think, guys? Let's dismiss all the kitty cases. So he decided not to go forward with those counts. And I actually thought that was, like, the best move. Yeah. Because, like, they had enough. And, like, you can always bring charges up later. But, yeah, to not put her through that, like, I liked that. That was mm-hmm. the one redeeming moment. So on Vince's birthday, <laughs> but it is on January 31st, 1989, Ramirez was brought in shackles to his trial, a trial finally beginning three and a half years after his arrest. That's insane. It takes a long. And could you imagine if you were innocent and it took that long? Like, I would be so mad. He's accused of 43 crimes, 13 murders, many counts of robbery and rape and more. 
After a series of delays, the trial has finally begun and it should last a long time too. Prosecutors are expected to call 140 witnesses. That is overwhelming. Oh my god. I would need to be on that jury. Like, I would have cried. Well, yeah. Because more than likely they were secluded the whole time. Yeah. And that sounds like it would take like a year. Yeah. Be like the OJ jurors who went crazy. Yeah. So a lot of victims testified and it's awful this one lady told said that he told her if she screamed he was going to kill her babies in their cribs and her son like that is awful Mm -hmm. she said she replied i swear i won't sir i won't scream i swear i swear upon god and he slapped me one more time he said swear upon satan swear upon satan i said yes i swear upon satan i won't scream that is horrifying and you could she was like still scared you could like hear it when she was talking about it so laurel erickson says she could feel the pain she sat through every day of the trial her co-worker says he knows that it still affects her another lady testified laurel's repeating the story on air and the lady confirmed that richard ramirez is the person who sodomized her eight-year-old son after shooting her husband in the head like like that's just terrible like god damn some of the victims said it was really scary to be in the same room as him like I feel like now like in the courtroom having to testify and I feel like I would have a panic attack yeah which it's probably like well I think back then it might have been dismissed more, but I think nowadays, like, people are a lot more sensitive about mental health. Like, if you saw someone's reaction, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. So, Colleen Nelson, the granddaughter of Joyce Nelson, um, who was r- murdered by Ramirez, said that it was too much, so she had to step out to collect herself. She sat on a bench, and there were other people out there, and Colleen says, I was sitting next to this boy who couldn't have been much older than me, 19 or 20. I remember thinking, I wonder why he's here. Did he have a family member that was hurt? And I was like, I expected, like, I was afraid it was going to be the boy that was, like, sodomized and, like, it just had taken so long that he grew up. Yeah. But she said, I remember at one point he kind of lifted up the sleeves of his jacket and when he turned his hand over, I could see he had a tattoo of a pentagram. And then I realized I was sitting next to somebody who looked up to the person that killed my grandmother. Yeah. And that's even worse because I was, I was thinking it was going to be somebody that had to testify too. But like, oof. So she said, even though I was outside that courtroom, it was really sort of the sense of not being able to ever escape it or get away from the darkness. That's terrifying. A woman testifies, I can hear her screaming and then her crying. Mommy, please don't die. Please don't die. While I was bleeding uncontrollably in front of her. A man, Colleen's dad and Joyce's son, talks about how the defense talked about how Ramirez showed mercy by allowing some victims to live. Naturally, that pissed the shit out of the families of the victims that were killed. He says, he beat my mother in the head with a heavy object. The same beating caused my mother to lose blood, blood that my brother and I cleaned up. Then he strangled my mother. That's awful. 
But I do think that Ramirez was not showing mercy to those people. I think he was, like, trying to damage people. Oh, yeah. But, so, September 20th in 1989, it says, We, the jury, in the above-titled action, find the defendant, Richard Ramirez, guilty of murder. He was found guilty on all 43 counts. So that trial lasted, like, 10 months? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. The deputy district attorneys were relieved. I bet. And fucking Gil had to make it about himself. And he says, going from a time where people thought I was a young punk trying to make a name for myself to what I believed in. I said, goddamn Gil's picture is put up and he looks like one of the pigs for me in Angry Birds. And what I had fought for to ultimately get to the point of conviction. When they read guilty on the first count, then I knew the rest of them were in. Gil, shut the fuck up. You didn't crack the case or do anything. Have all of the seats. He says, I became very emotional. I'm like, of course you did. He said, I went home that night and I crawled in bed and I started crying like a baby. Pearl was probably like, oh God, not again. (laughs) So Pearl says, and without him telling me why he's crying, I just knew it in my heart. Like, I feel like Gil probably cried all the time. Gil says, I wish my dad would have been there. I wanted him to be proud and I wanted to share it with him. And unfortunately, he had already passed away. And that is the only pass I will give Gil because I know exactly what that feeling is. Like when there's something good that happens that you just want to like share it with someone. Mm-hmm. But like you will never be able to tell it. Even though like you might know they know. Like you still want to be able to say it. Yeah. But his she said that his wife um his wife leaned over and said it's okay he was with you so on november 7th you know what daniel used to do that used to creep me out who when he was like daniel when Uh he was a baby he would like look in the corner of a room sometimes like he'd look up like in the ceiling and he'd like wave and like a couple times he'd be like hi papa like i remember one time he did it in front of my mom and we were both like um, that's weird because that's what Emily called my dad. Yeah, and he like obviously he didn't know who my dad was. Right. No, I, but, I truly and, think kids can see that kind of stuff. Oh, I do too. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody probably has the ability. It's like whatever blocks we put on our own mind. Mm-hmm. But. So, on November 7th, 1989, a judge in Los Angeles sentenced Richard Ramirez to death in the gas chamber. So, Ramirez spoke. He said, I don't need to hear all of society's rationalizations. I've heard them all before, and the, and the fact remains, what is, is. You don't understand me. You're not expected to. You're not capable. I'm beyond your experience. I'm beyond good and evil. Ramirez is running his mouth by being transported. He says, big deal. Death always went with the territory. I'll see you in Disneyland. He seems like he would be very annoying. Frank says, that night, Gail and I go up to county jail, and we go up to his cell, and he flat asked. He just came right out, and he said, Gil, he said, are you going to go to my execution? And Gil said, I don't know. He says, Frank, what about you? And I said, yes, I am. I want to put an end to this case in my mind. And I said, I feel the same exact way about this docu-series. Please just let it be done. And that would have put an end to it. 
Falzone says that back in 1989, when we had Ramirez en route to San Quentin, he looked back at me, big smile on his face, and it was very, very eerie, very surreal. He said, hey, Falzone, you'd like to know about the two I did, about the two old ladies on Telegraph Hill, wouldn't you? Carl Klotz, like what a bad name. And I had a previous murder of two elderly ladies in Telegraph Hill. That crime scene was very horrific. And he laughed this very fiendish laugh. He said, it was me. So there's no doubt in my mind he committed other crimes in San Francisco. And I was like, that's your hot take? Like, I would assume there was a lot more murders that you all just didn't know about. Yeah. So, um. Ramirez's fingerprints were linked to a murder from June of 1984, and Frank says June to March is a very long time. It's hard to believe he could contain himself for that long and then go off on a tangent for the next four to five months where he's going on a killing spree. And again, like, I just think you didn't find the victims or link them. Like, he's talking very confidently, like they solved every single thing. So Arturo says, one of the things I learned from him, it wasn't his first rodeo that one year. I truly believe there might be other crimes, a lot more crimes out there that these people never caught. It's like, of course. And I'm sure you know exactly. And I'm surprised, like, that's not really, like, I would think you can't say that because of, like, attorney-client privilege. So, in 1994, Ramirez agreed to be interviewed by crime writer Philip Carlo. And Ramirez says, is there such thing as a bad seed when a baby is born? Is he already a serial killer, already made, or is he created? If you're recording these conversations, make sure the tapes are destroyed after we're done. And I was like, oops, I guess they forgot about that. And he was like, I don't want no fucking tapes of my conversations. You're not going to make me out to look bad are you you do that already so june 7th of 2013 um richard ramirez died and the california department of correction said that ramirez died of natural causes in a hospital after spending more than two two decades on death row so he died from cancer and laurel thinks that's an odd death not all the victims and family members are able to forgive him. And I was like, well, how could you? That would be very difficult. Right. Anastasia is doing really well. And I'd like to know more about her. Fucking Gil, of course, talks about, you know, himself. He takes all the time to say a prayer and blather on. And of course, they end on him. Like, this whole thing was awful. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so long. It really wasn't, though. Like, I finished watching all four of those in one evening. Well, yeah, no, watching them wasn't that long. Talking about them is long. Well, we stretched it out for four weeks. (coughs) Yeah. Gil's the worst. Thank you for listening to True Crime True Family. Follow us on our Twitter at TCTFP and Instagram at TCTF Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us where you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Please leave a rating and review. We appreciate all the feedback. Join us next week.